and welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast for three dungeon masters who've been doing this for way too long. Talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Chris. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those cats were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. They fought with expert timing. Hello, everybody. Uh, DM Day, rock and roll DM. I don't think I was trying to. I don't know, Tony, if you'll remember if I've ever actually used that one before. I don't think I have. I don't think so. But I'd love to know how this ties in today's episode. So it wonderfully (laughs) ties into today's episode. So uh, obviously we uh, we're not recording live here. So this was actually last week. Uh, It was our Black Friday surprise, surprise. We ran a birthday game. Uh, you know, I feel like every <laughs> damn episode we're talking about a birthday game, but that's okay. We have lots of gamers and lots of birthdays. So mm. this one was for uh, the Monster Wrangler himself, Matt. And Matt is, as well as me, a huge Avatar The Last Airbender fan. So I ran a one shot in the brand new game, uh, Avatar Legends. From Magpie Games, I found the starter set at Target, actually. Uh, I think it's a Target exclusive. Uh, so they could, you guys want to, yeah, you guys want to contact us. Uh, we can work something out for Target. But we ran the Avatar game, and it was super different. Not just the world, but the system itself, by Powered by the Apocalypse. And I came into it really unsure as to how it was going to go and and after everyone played it we thought it'd be a kind of a fun thing to talk about of when you're approaching a system that's completely different from any other that you've played or ran before you know lots of systems are similar or you can get the the general mechanic but sometimes a system is so different from what you're used to that it's wow i not only have to run this but i now have to teach this too so that's kind of where we're going, and since it was Avatar, everyone was kung fu fighting. So there you go. That is the full circle. There we go. Well yeah. played. So um, let's just get into it. I mean, let, we'll start with with our our thoughts on the 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 Magpie game, at least what they were using by Power the by the Apocalypse. Uh, let's start there and just see where we go with this. Well, honestly, I have uh, virtually no knowledge about this background, which I hear is super popular, and a lot of my friends highly recommend it, but I've just never dived into it. So this was really from a fresh eyes perspective. One of the things that caught me that I really liked about it was how they handled character construction. So you had, each of the characters had four different points, which were basically you were kind of writing your own hooks and why your character cared about this module. Yeah, that was super clever. Yeah. And that was a full on thing that they actually had in the system itself that they do. No, I enjoyed that part, the the character bit there, like a little bit more role playing. But I also enjoyed uh, tactically because I spent a lot of the time. I think you always kind of spend a lot of the first session trying to figure out the rules and how do I use this? How do I do what I want to do in this there? And I thought the way that they set up uh, combat a little bit. I'm just a combat guy or whatever, but where they had the defend uh, stage, then the attack stage, and then the observe stage there. I thought that was really ingenious. Obviously, that's part of the system 
that they're using there. I thought that was brilliant. And it actually gave me ideas. Like, I think that's something cool about playing something like this is that it's so different that it's kind of a fresh pot for ideas about ways you could enhance your own games. Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, I think it was for me, it was two pronged uh, coming in because I said I came in and I know the Avatar world. I'm a huge fan of it. And I knew that Matt was a huge fan. So I was like, this is perfect. But you, Chris, Tony, Scott, Bonnie, none of you guys, you, you might be aware that this is a thing out there but you're not aware of the story and the character i watched like five episodes once right exactly right so the first prong was the knowledge of the world or franchise that you're playing in if it's a type of system and game that's very specific like so if i was going to pull up the new doctor who rpg or like when they they put out an, an RPG on the dresden files the jim butcher series of novels right like those might be awesome systems, but if the players don't know that system, that not the system, don't know that world, that makes it an even heavier lift in a way. And I found that because the way in which you guys would try to approach your characters, you didn't necessarily know, oh, I'm I'm a firebender, let's say. So and you're describing some sort of firebending, you're just like, well, I I wanna I wanna hit that guy, I wanna talk to that guy, I wanna do whatever it might be. I wanna burn that. <laughs> I want to burn that. Right. So there was that. And then there was the knowledge of the system. And there were a couple things that I really loved about the system. And then some things that became much heavier lifts when I was sitting there trying to run it and keep it going, you know, and like we don't know. This is our first time with anything that's from this powered by the apocalypse system. Like that kind of is the the. I don't know, the operating system of several different role-playing games out there uh, from what I can gather. So I don't know what they used and then what they overlaid for the Avatar game. So we're not we're not on that way. But I loved the way that they would run the characters. Um, one, Tony, how the, the four questions. So there were four questions that I had your characters ask as to why they were involved with now the Fire Lord Zuko. Like, why would he know these four teenagers? Because in the Avatar verse, we found out that it's only teenagers that can save the world, strangely. But it built a level of, okay, let, like, I'm going to hook myself into this module. And I made a joke. It was very reminiscent of the Dragonlance campaign when I had you guys try to hook yourselves into Ispen Greenshield by telling a story. But this was a little more, I gave you some time to build the reason as opposed to, okay. Tell me a story about Ispen, you know, um, but I loved there what they had that which was the basic moves thing, you know, so assess a situation, plead with an NPC, help, intimidate, push your luck, rely on your skills and training, guide and comfort trick. That's something that I was like, this is excellent to be able to try to utilize in almost any system because it just it, it put a lot more agency, I thought, on you guys. What did you find with that? Just the basic moves of your role playing and you're going about in the world and doing things. Well, for once, I actually really enjoyed the pre-generated characters. And Ooh. I am probably the most anti-pre-gen characters <laughs> out of the team, pretty hands down. Uh, yeah. But this time, it really worked. I felt like these characters each had stuff to put bring to the table, but I wasn't like going through their biography. And I'm like, well, in high school, this also happened. All the information they had was really tied into the module where there was possible angles they could take. So if they looked into it, 
they had things to work with, but it was like a page and a half. So you really, you know, you were like preparing for a dissertation uh, for this game. We just, you know, he, uh, Dave handed out sheets, we picked characters, and I felt that ran pretty organically and smooth. From the yeah, there were like there were like two paragraphs, I think, at most for the background, and it gave you this is the person, this is how they think. This is why they're around, right? And it was very key towards giving you something to be able to do with those four questions that you were given, right? Like, it's nice to have that. If you just, if we just had to create that out of the ether, that would have been very difficult, right? At least you had, you could look in there and be like, oh, okay, he knew this person or he went to this place. So, yeah. Which is exactly right. If we all came up with our individual backstories, most of them odds are would have nothing to do with what Dave was pitching <laughs> with the pirates of the crimson sails, which for anyone who's playing the game, that's the one that we ran through. It was but, the, the starter set uh, adventure. But if you like, were looking around the room, like people were joking and laughing and using voices. And I think like that really sets a good foundation for the, the one shot to roll out nicely and everyone have like parts to play and not be, you know, deer in the headlights looking at you. I mean, yeah. more experienced players, but yeah. I, I enjoyed them. I almost wish in some ways that they simplified them a little bit. Like it may, sometimes I felt a little reined in, like, well, I'm going to assess the situation. Like you would always sort of assess the situation, but I thought it provided to Tony's point, like it provided good opportunities for role play and stuff like that. And to ask questions and to interact with one another and stuff during the game there. But I mean, the biggest thing with that one was, I, in many ways, it was kind of like we were trying out the system. So it's like I spent a lot yeah. of time trying to figure out my exhaustion and all like the uh, the different things in there. And I'm like, well, if I do this and this, what does this mean and stuff like that? And like, so it was, uh, but it definitely was, there was a lot of, uh, it encouraged role play by asking a lot of, asking you to role play, right? In D&D very often, you know, maybe an NPC may be engaging, but this was actually saying like, hey, give me a couple, uh, you know, give me a couple answers here. I agree, Chris. I think that the, the, the basic moves as they call them. So for the way I'm thinking of it with 5e is like the, the way we're always talking about how to utilize skills better, right? And it's almost this, like, don't have a single point fail, you know, try to have things that fail forward, that type of thing. And how do I set a DC? What I liked with this system, which I think is a is a much more modern type of thing, was that there wasn't really failure, right? You have, it's a 2D6 system. So you're running, a, you throw 2D6 down, you add your modifier out of four attributes that you have. One of the, it's uh Creativity, harmony, passion, and focus, right? And they all have a plus two, a zero, a minus one, whatever it might be, depending on that character. So you roll your 2d6. On a seven to nine, it is a partial success. So you you do it, but it you might not do it as well, or you might not get as much information or whatever it might be. You get 10 plus, it's everything's it's super awesome and yay. If I get under seven, you know, six and below, I still have the ability to pop. It's not just like, no, you can't do that. And what I liked about that was they specifically in the in the rule set talk about, well, what about when you want to bend? Right. Because the whole the whole avatar verse is bending. Right. It's the it's the system. It would be like, well, in D&D, how do I cast spells? Right. And there wasn't really a. It wasn't like, oh, you can't bend this round or something like that. It was, okay, you can 
it maybe rely on your skills and training. So how does it work? But maybe it creates a situation that you don't like, right? Or in the combat system itself, you could use your resources. You could mark fatigue or mark a condition and say, well, I still do it, but I just can't do all the things. And I kind of liked that a way of, I mean, how many times we sitting around the table and your turn comes up and you're like, okay, I try to attack. And you're like, oh, well, I missed. Okay, next. And you're like, oh, like, I wish I could like push it a little bit more, push your luck, right? Kind of a callback to the Call of Cthulhu thing. And they have it in here as well to be able to kind of push your luck and see, can I, you know, can I, can I uh, maybe hurt myself if I do do (laughs) more, right? Call of Cthulhu had horrifying (laughs) results if you pushed your luck and failed, though. Good (laughs) God. Pretty much if you failed on pushing your luck, it was going to be something horrible, something horrible. Now, what? just as a as a quick side, I want to get back to some of this stuff, too, that because it's so fresh for us. But that's a great um, point in Call of Cthulhu, because that was a completely different system that we had not played until we had played Call of Cthulhu. So we played percentile systems. I mean, the, the old Marvel system is percentile based. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ascending percentile as opposed to descending. <laughs> Yeah. They got that that's right at all least. The like, does that all matter, the right? That's like, you know, ascending <laughs> or descending armor class. You still have to roll to hit to something, right? But, like, with Cthulhu, like, if you knew the Cthulhu mythos, you might get more enjoyment out of the game, but you didn't have to come loaded to bear having read all of Lovecraft's works, right? You kind of get a sense of, okay, you're in, like, you know, turn-of-the-century America, maybe, or England, I'm an investigator, I'm a cop, I'm an antiquarian, right? It's like the real world. So you can, I think it was easier to to work into the system, even though it was a completely different system than we had played in D&D, right? Many times the systems like this one, like Cthulhu and like the uh, the one for Avatar, they seem, as opposed to D&D, was kind of built like war game into role playing. Like yeah, they seem like yeah. their genesis comes from wanting to be role-playing and then they find a way to include combat in the system but change it to make it i don't want to say softer because it was there was some crunch to the fatigue stuff like it got to be a little bit like it was challenging sometimes to figure out exactly what you were doing and what would be allowed there but i I thought it was uh, i think that those they they have a much larger focus on role-playing and D&D I, we're kind of coming to that right but it's at its heart yeah. it's like well, I want to get into combat because everything I do relies somehow on that right I think you're absolutely correct with that Chris is that and that's when people have like they talk about oh well if you want to play this you need to play this system because this is more of a story bit blah 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 that's where it comes from is that you can see that this system is built to be much more player-driven much more story focused, much more narrative, much more role play. If you want to assess the situation, let's say you have to you can tell me that you're assessing the situation, but you have to tell me like you have certain questions that you can ask of me. Right. Or if you're pleading with an NPC, you can roll. But what are you saying? Like it does kind of push that narrative role play aspect that we sometimes talk about in D&D that can be difficult for some players as well, not at our table, thankfully, on Friday, but, you know. Well, one of the intuitive things from Call of Cthulhu versus uh, the Avatar system was that I'm playing Call, and I was pretty versed in Lovecraft. I mean, sure. You know, but, you, you know, you have, like, strength, agility. Okay, we're over here looking at it. Exactly. 
Uh, I have passion. I have creativity. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? I'm fighting my passion. Am I trying to seduce somebody? I mean, like, what are we? What? And that's that was uh, yeah. The thing to wrap my head around. And that goes back to it was and again, like I I I'm gonna thank you guys again uh, here on the cast as well because when you have players who are willing to be like, no man, we're sitting down, we're doing this game. I don't know what this stuff is about, but Matt super digs it. I know Dave's super. So we're going to have fun. We're going to play a game. We're going to do a one shot this night. We're going to have a lot of fun and some laughs. And we totally did. And you guys did a lot of that heavy lifting, right? The the other four of you outside of me and Matt. But that's exactly it. You didn't know passion, creativity, focus, harmony. Also, their idea of the balance system. So – in the Avatar RPG, you are going between two principles, the, each character from their what they call their playbook, which is, in essence, the class, has two principles. Maybe it's self-reliance and trust. And you start centered, and then with role play and with the story, that starts to shift. And you can start to, quote, lose your balance. And that is so Avatar, like that is Avatar writ large. But if you are not familiar with the property, what the hell are we talking about with this balance? You know what I mean? Like you can grasp the concept, but it doesn't drive your role play in the same way. Right. You know, it's back in the uh, the Star Wars, the Knights of the Old Republic, like it was like uh, Mm. light side and dark side. And there were certain Mm. powers that you could open up based upon. Yeah. Gaining you know, moving your balance in that direction. With this yeah. one, it was a little different, like it, it, the the opportunities for it were. The thing that was a little different with it, and maybe it was a little bit cooler because it's a little bit more complex, is it wasn't so um, black and white, right? It wasn't like, uh, you know, Obi-Wan and Vader. Like, right. It was right. like self-reliance and trust or something like that. Where you're like, I think. well... You know, no, I don't yeah, think no, either of these the, is necessarily a totally deadly uh, ending here. So it was definitely it just sort of inspires some different kinds of role play. So, but yeah, it's literally like if you watch the series, that's that's literally every the entire arc of the series is how do you find your balance between these two things that you're dealing with, whether it's Zuko or Ang or Katara or Sokka or whoever. They're going between these principles. But if you're not coming into it, you again, you get this the idea, but you don't necessarily know how to invest your, um, you know, like when we play Lord of the Rings, you know, if we do a Lord of the Rings campaign, we're going to be investing a lot of additional stuff right off the bat because we're so familiar with the property. Right. So something which was super uncounterintuitive for me, and at least from my perspective in this game, is yeah. we're talking about our balance, right? So you start the game, right, or the, the combat, and we're going to start our stances, which completely clusterfucks me because I've already got my move planned out in advance, but hold my phone. We're rolling to see where you're in your stance, and if you roll badly, you can do – different things based on how good you roll in your toolbox. So yes. I was planning to do this. And it's like, roll that shit back because you can't. But then you're like, but wait, if you go one point closer to the dark side, you can do things. And it's like, well, wait, what? How does my spiritual well-being close from harmony to survival shift? Yeah. Because I got a bad initiative and I'm trying to like push it forward. Yeah. I, 
Well, and I think that was some of the nuance in there. And I think if we played it, I think that's a really is the difference between a singular experience with it when you're first learning it the first time versus when you start to play it over a couple of times is the balance was you could lose your balance. We never no one ever lost their balance. But if you reach uh, all the way to self-reliance or whatever like that, essentially, I don't know if you have to go beyond it or whatever like that, but essentially you crap out. Right. Like you either give up, you run you do something nuts or whatever like that because you're so completely out of balance. Like it wants you to be uh, centered there. Like that's a, a secondary focus to whether you're fatigued or not. So yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't ever as as clear cut. Like Chris, you you made a good point of the the light and dark side stuff, and we see yeah. that. Or like in the Call to Adventure board game, you can like gain like you know uh, the light or the dark. It wasn't good and bad. It was just two ends of a spectrum of your world view as it were right and as you move more towards one of those you were farther away from the other you know and and kind of the point of avatar was always that you were they were trying to find the balance within themselves within life you know anyway but tony i agree so i felt i'm coming into the game and i had read the rule book i had read through the adventure i had you know done my due diligence and I've been running games for, you know, a little bit of time. So I'm I'm versed with I'm versed with how to run a game, you know, some tricks and stuff. And I realized this was a new system, but it was such an open system in terms of like they always term it follow the fiction. So there's not a lot of planning or preparing that you can really do other than here's all the things that are in the world, which is very sandboxy and that's fun. But coming into and now I have to figure out how these mechanics work in that. Now, during the normal role play, when we were doing those basic moves and things like that, you know, like, you know, assess a situation or rely on your skills and training. That was pretty straightforward. And I was like, okay, we're rolling with this. This is, you know, the the system really gives me a lot to work with here. Once we hit combat, though, we had two combat exchanges. The last one I kind of. I almost made happen partly because I wanted I wanted us to kind of feel out what the combat system kind of looked like. Right. I didn't want you to just talk your way out of it while even though you kind of were heading that way. But it was like, well, then you don't get to do all your bending and all your kung fu fighting. And what the hell is that? Right. That's where for me, it got real janky really quick and became a lot to manage all of a sudden. And with only five players, too, it wasn't enormous. Uh, and that's with me never having to roll a single bit of dice, you know. But it just got very to to understand where everyone was and what you're going to do because you have to do that thing where you have these. Uh, you can defend and maneuver. You can advance and attack. You can evade and observe. And they go in those steps, kind of like a turn-based strategy game almost, you know. And those things happen, and they're all happening at the same time, but I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, how does that affect me, and how many things can I do here, and you're rolling, but, you know. So I felt like it, that part, and I don't know if it felt that way, but it felt janky to me. Yeah, I think it was a situation where everyone doesn't know what's going on, right? Like like mm. you had read the things, but it's a first time with that. If you had played it once or twice before yeah. and then had a table full of people that didn't know, I think it could have been a little less janky. You know, I think there's a lot of merit in the system. So. Oh, no, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. 
there was some there was some weird stuff on that. For example, I have this super ability I could kick off where I, I could I could first of all the idea that I'm spending fatigue or air quotes health to inflict health blows my mind. Like that's that's also not oh, that, the D and D. No, that actually felt very intuitive to me, and I liked it for the reason. So, and it's one of the things I'm, I don't I didn't want to cut you off totally, but I don't want to lose this point. There's always been a kind of a conversation in D&D over hit points. What are hit points? Are they damage? Are they fatigue? Are they hero points? Are they willpower? Are they, you know, because how do I get blasted out of, you know, 25 hit points and then I just wake up and I'm perfect again? So I liked their concept of fatigue because what it was is if I'm in the midst of a battle, I'm getting winded. You know, I, you know, anybody. That's why boxing rounds are three minutes long, because that's a freaking eternity, you know, and that's for highly trained people. That's an eternity. So for me to just start wailing away at you, hammering a blows, it's going to cost me fatigue. Right. OK, I, I, I could dig that. But hear me out here. So I had a superpower. Yeah. That cost me five fatigue to use. Now, this person would be really glued, screwed, and tattooed if I did this to him. However, and I'm just checking the math, I only had five fatigue. So if I knock myself out practically, I could theoretically take this person out. And that's where it went further with this system. And it was a little bit – that's where it got, for me, a little on the counterintuitive side. Uh, Maybe not counterintuitive, but a little more uh, complicated was that – you could go down to all your five fatigue and you would not be, quote, out of the scene at that point. You wouldn't be knocked out. You would just start to then be gaining conditions, you know, and some of you guys had gained certain conditions. So in this system, they have you can certain things can inflict a condition. The GM can inflict a condition or you're doing something like Tony was just saying. You ha- you're like you're really bending crazy, right? You're. You're doing some crazy fire bending. Bending the laws of thermodynamics over here. Exactly. Exactly. You're you're gonna redirect lightning or something, right? And that's gonna cost you a lot because your chi is is you know going crazy. But then the conditions come where you it can be afraid, angry, guilty, insecure, troubled. And once you then if you got all your fatigue checked off and then you gain all those conditions, at that point. You are now out of that, quote, scene, as they call it. So you actually had more to go, but things were happening. And I liked the idea of the conditions because it felt more natural. Like Chris, your character, he was a young waterbender. And at one point, stuff was happening in the final battle where they, like, focused fire in on you. They just they completely surrounded you and were blasting on you. And, like, you gained the afraid condition. And that made a hell of a lot of sense because that would be frightening as hell. And I dug, we didn't really use it, but the way that they have it in here, that you can clear the condition by doing, like if you're afraid, you can run from the danger or difficulty. It clears that condition, but you got to run away. And I was like, that makes a, like, that makes a lot of sense. And it really does push towards role play, I feel, and, and story-based stuff. Well, I think, and they also, they provided a way there, if you were to engage, or the last one, evade and observe, mm. they gave you a way to gain fatigue points back, though. So I thought yeah. it was cool. But I, uh, anyways, I, th- I think I liked the fatigue a little bit. Like, I like the way that that works because it provides a simple, like, I, I'm actually, I, I'm trying to, I have an idea to kind of fix uh, face rip a little bit 
with using okay. not only the defend attack and evade kind of a system because i think with the stuff like dodge and evade inside of face rip would work perfectly if you were to stage the and the it's not the initiative but the order of combat in that way and then the for fatigue as a way to you you fight you fight till you're fatigued you don't necessarily fight till you're dead or anything like that it's like if you think of, i mean you were talking about hit points and the part is always funny to me is like if you have three hit points well I'm still swinging and doing the same damage and everything like that. So it's obviously not health, right? It's a level mm. of skill or guile or whatever, or fatigue, right? Like that. So, I mean, yeah. you know, Superman would just have a lot of fatigue, right? But eventually <laughs> he would get tired out. He might not, he's not going to expire or anything like that, but eventually he would fatigue himself out if he was trying to do something. Only I think it's a really good way to limit Only things outside of just numerical health damage. So. I mean, I get it. Like hit points, you know, like what are, what are hit points? Well, you know, someone's killed with a knife. Someone has 17 arrows in them and they're still running up the stairs. <laughs> OK, you know, that's a little harder to wrap your head around. But like, for example, I'm a firebender. I don't know shit about this. So I'm like a, a mutant with fire powers and I'm blasting this guy with fire. I'm like, die. And he's like, ah, now, Dave, as the, as the judge in this or the DM, has agency to determine, am I going to take this damage or am I going to select a, a, a fatigue or a, a yeah. status of my own? So then Dave's like, OK, I won't take damage, but now I'm insecure. And I'm like, I just gave you second degree burns in your face and you're insecure. Like, what is happening? <laughs> I'm never going to look the same. <laughs> no, I, get, I, I do get it because, again, that's that's one of the things when you're coming into a new system – uh, especially a new system, not just the property and stuff. Like you just said, like, I don't know shit about this. I'm a mutant with firepowers or whatever. Right. And right, that's how I can, that, you know, you know right. but let's add on, let's add on top of that. You don't know these mechanics right off the bat. So you're having to do a lot of like, it's like you're playing music and you're having to transpose all the songs in real time, you know? And that's a lot to ask for me, that type of thing though. And this idea of, of fatigue and conditions I like because I feel it plays out more cinematically that we we think of when we think of these great battles that are happening or even in D&D right if I'm fighting you know I'm fighting like the hobgoblin warlord and I'm a I'm a fighter I got a like Sir William in the Dragonlance campaign right it's very much when we're playing it's like okay I hit you you hit me the story of D&D right like that's our book sure. um, Future time, like Chris had said, right? But when we think cinematically, we're thinking, well, I'm taking hit point damage, but maybe it's because, like, I blocked that huge killing blow with my sword. So it's not like, oh, he cut into my rib cage, but that was such a blow that it knocks me back. It makes me winded. It takes some of uh, I fatigue, you know? And for this, I thought it was a way that they really started to turn the dials into something that felt more cinematic. Or at least like cartoon anime style of combat. It feels very, you know, you're dodging and you're blocking and you're you're doing all of these things. And that's where the fatigue and the conditions come into play as opposed to I just got burned, you know. And I think it's a bit on the soft on it, like that Cthulhu, right? It's still very role play focused. Lethal. Right. We always talk about stairs. Like we literally almost died going downstairs. Like, right. Like, I mean, it's lethal. But with uh, the Avatar game, it was so, like it was like to your point, like fatigue and your balance, like you can lose them. 
but you can still kind of gain them back, right? Like it takes a lot to finally get to the point where you could even expire. I don't know if they had they had the Dune status, yeah. which at that point you're like, I'm assuming that means that then that's ends fatal. Yeah, but funny. I thought that it was very, it was it meant to, it a lot like uh, we could play like Gloomhaven or something like that. Like you just retire from the round if you run out of cards or exhaust your hit points. Like you don't die. Like so then you can come back and play the next session. And it felt a lot like that. Yes. Like it was yes. probably in a way to make it a little bit more like Nickelodeon and anime and stuff like that. Yeah. But also yeah, like it was. Taking a focus away from the action part. It's a movie. It's less about the gore at the end there, where we still kind of have that in a war game. So it was. It was very much that you were just quote out of that scene. You know, each thing was very much like a scene or an exchange or a you know that type of thing. Uh, and Tony, while well, talking about Cthulhu too, it was very similar in the sense that whatever system you're used to playing, you know, you play D and D a lot, and we entered Cthulhu, and we're like. Uh, can we buy all the guns? Because we obviously have to kill these things. <laughs> Where, like, other people who came into Cthulhu be like, no, you can't. You have to go figure out how to, like, maybe put the thing back because, like, you can't fight it. But we're like, no, I'm pretty sure you probably can fight it in some way, you know? Yeah, but ca- I can carry a shotgun, too, and do that as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, like, that changes it, too, when you're trying to not only run but play completely new systems. Like, realize that you you interact you integrate into these things in a certain a certain way yeah we always say like we teach the players how, how to play in the universe and you know in cthulhu we quickly learned that we couldn't shoot our way out of every problem like that infamous situation where we got a lead that there was some cultists on a ship so we're like let's go get him when we go across oh, that, that the gangplank <laughs> and what's and who do we run into the first guy we run into has a freaking elephant gun and he blasts me and i'm like oh back to the hospital this is great which I appreciate the idea of fatigue because it's like, great, that'd be much better than, oh, shit, Hank McGavin's out of fatigue. He's He's got to flee, something like that versus, all right, sorry, ass face, you're back in the emergency room again for two weeks of game yeah. time. Which and also funny. lose 25 sanity points. Yeah. yeah. Now, I think they had some of that in Cthulhu, which I like. It's that additional kind of thing. They had sanity, but they often made it like it wasn't just like, uh, you know, occasionally you'd see a painting and you're like, oh, you know, rake a sanity check. The rest of the time it would be like <laughs> these people come in and they're about to kill you and make a sanity check. And it's like, I, can we just fight these things now or flee or whatever? I don't know about the sanity checks there, but it was much crueler than uh, Avatar. Much crueler. Oh, God. Now, yeah. Um, For me, I wanted to, to get into this at least a little bit. I know you guys don't really you can't tell because you only saw it from that side of the screen being the players. Right. But I was kind of talking to you about it after the game. So this was the starter set. Right. Which, again, you can go to Target. And it's Target exclusive, I think. Target, <laughs> Target wants to reach out to us for promotion. We could do that. Target, please. We love. We'll play all your games. We have. I oftentimes buy board games from your store, so they yeah, do have a nice board game selection. Got a fucking great board game. <laughs> I don't. Whatever. I don't care. I love Target. Deal with it. All right. Uh, we just. Yeah, we promote for no money. That's what we do here. Okay. Um. Anyway. So I got the starter set, right? Because you can get the core rule book and they, I mean, they're unloading. They got Adventure Pass. They got, you know, Wang Shi's uh, archives of, of history and all. I mean, they're really building it out. And I'm I'm glad to see because it's such a, it's such a great um, world. 
uh, that there's so much role play that you could do in it. Anyway, so the starter set. So I'm thinking things like the D&D starter set. So Lost Minds of Fandelver, Dragons of Icepire Peak, uh, Dragons of Stormwreck Isle. Lenny recently uh, led us through Lost Minds of Fandelver. And I've looked through that mod a little bit, you know, and I've seen how they kind of build out. So, okay, what's a role-playing game? This is the first time you play D&D. How do you do a, how do you have goblins attack? Yeah, what yeah these goblins might want to do this, right? Yeah. They've taken so much of that feedback that I ran the girls' campaign, uh, the first part of the adventure, I ran them through Dragons of Stormwreck Isle, which was from the, the newest uh, starter set. And I really liked it. I thought it was a fun adventure. And man, did they take the feedback because this thing was like, there were points where you could almost step by step. This is how you could run this section. This is how you can run this. These are, here's some tips to DM for the first time. Cause this is probably the first time if you're breaking open the starter set, hence the name, the starter set, right? Mm-hmm. With this one though, it was for me, such a heavy lift of trying to figure out, okay, I have this adventure, quote unquote, you know, there's been a a cargo that was meant from the Fire Nation to the Earth Kingdom as part of the treaty, uh, the Harmony Restoration Movement. It has been seized by pirates, the Crimson Sails Armada. So the players are brought forth to Fire Lord Zuko, and he sends them out as these unknown adventurers so people won't really know them to kind of infiltrate tortuga in essence i mean crimson sales is from all intents and purposes tortuga so and then there you go and now there's certain things but there's no okay this is how to kind of here's maybe how to run this section or run this section with these brand new rules it's just follow the fiction and let the players drive the story and i'm thinking okay I got really experienced role players at my table, though, so I know that they'll do that. If I'm having to teach this game and learn it for the first time, I felt like it was there was nothing there for the adventure wise, at least in a way that I was, let's say, used to. Right now, you guys don't really know this, but what did it feel like on your side? Did did any of that come through, or did it did it seem like that like you saw some of the the clunkiness of the adventure? Let's say maybe I don't know how to explain that exactly. I mean, I think it's the follow the fiction part, which is a powerful tool, right? But it's like kind of that idea, like you're either like a you, like you have people that are gamers, right? And you have people that are role players. Like you have to have role players. You want to follow the fiction because yeah. there is a. Right. I mean, we're working from a kind of like the same several sentences there to try to figure out exactly how to create the fiction. Like it's a cool collaborative story, but it puts a lot more on the characters to have to think of something. We can role play it and I have a good idea. I know my guy was like arrogant. Right. I knew he was the son of a pirate queen and stuff like that. So I could play off of that. But it was at certain points, I think also because of the struggle with the rules and it's the first time as well. But you end up. It's difficult to take it and move it forward. You're like, I guess, all right, so we kind of go here then or something like it's difficult to just have that organic follow the fiction thing, which maybe that's part of this system is you have to sort of play it a little bit to be able to develop that um, that muscle, you know, like a role playing muscle. 
I actually felt like the module was pretty from point A to B to C to D. I didn't feel at any point that we're hanging. And we had some good opportunities where, you know, we obviously at point C, we had to approach this or handle this or go talk to this person. We're going to shake them down and we're going to try to deceive them. My character was a dishonest rogue who was in the cons and he was flashy. I mean, there's no, no shirt on ever. He was I, had, I walked around. No sh- I was so poor. The DM <laughs> didn't even give me a shirt. I was walking around and did he He's have a and I was using a lot of Rodney Dangerfield jokes, and I don't know how that happened, but some of them were very appropriate. And you never know how the character is going to develop until you're playing it. I didn't know? use the voice, though. <laughs> but, you know, and did he have a 13 strength or an 18? It's a mystery. But all of that aside, I felt like the, like that aspect, like the, the role play and how the module rolled. I mean, like it's our first shot at this. And like I don't know squat about the, the, the universe itself. So I – that all kind of came together for me, at least on my side okay. of the Okay. Cause yeah, I kind of wonder, uh, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of hard for you guys to kind of talk on it. Cause you didn't see like how they, how they write out their adventure, but it's not like you would ever think of an adventure. It's much more points of interest. <laughs> it's literally like, so it's, it, it's almost as if like Fandelver, right? Like the lost minds of Fandelver, it would be like, here's Fandelver. And here's the notable locations in Fandelver, and here are the people. And here's, how, like, some of their secrets go. And I'm like, oh, okay, um, I'm still trying to figure out how this system is working. And, uh, like, uh, for me, like, just as, a, as a, a point of order for anybody who's looking to play this system, I think it's super fun, especially if you're in the Avatar. But um, it definitely, I think it asks a lot of someone who might not be familiar with this, these specific mechanics or role playing in general, you know, and, and writing an adventure. I mean, it definitely has a complexity to it, but the complexity isn't all about rolling dice and adding things together. Like there is a, there is a, there's some difficulty in role playing at that level and doing all that kind of things there. So I think it requires so games like that require a different kind of uh, a player there that you're willing to be able to talk at the table. Because if you won't, like, I don't know what you're going to do in a game like that, right? Yeah, like that. No, one, you're really going to be point. you're going to be very limited because I mean it's all really uh, focused on that. Yeah, absolutely. In, in terms of a starter set, as you mentioned, I mean I really would have had this be very direct. So Dave, I think you handled it very well. I mean nobody knows Jack about at least most of the table doesn't know Jack. And guess what? So Matt's character has watched every episode of Netflix. Fantastic. Damn his right. character hasn't. So you know, who is this Prince Zuko? What was this Hundred Years War? I mean, we could all kick around how much we really do or do not know about that. That's up to for you to decide. But no, it, it, it rolled. No, I, I enjoy the system. I would like to play more with it, right? Like I'd like to give it a thing. Maybe I, I don't know if in the Avatar game, but take that same uh, the same general idea. Actually, see what the the actual constituent system is that they built it off of there, and try some of the other games because I enjoyed the some of the things. I think it's just the kind of thing like with Five E where you have to play it a couple times, like you have to get a feel to where then it just becomes then you're playing the game versus struggling to figure out what it is you want to do then you know and then i have options and i can have some fun with it and you know get elbows out so that is a good point though chris i would like to see uh some like what other systems are playing with the uh, that are using the power by the apocalypse in essence like operating system right to see how that like the unreal engine yeah Yeah, right that'd be, be quite interesting 
Anyway, I think it's probably about that time now uh, for final thoughts. So obviously we talked a lot about Avatar Legends, the RPG and the starter set because we just played it. Um, but just again, any the your final thoughts on systems that you're brand new to, both as running it and playing it. Like, what what what's the big takeaways there? Well, I mean, communication is super important. Uh, when we did, I played that game with the Dead Fast Club uh, that Bonnie ran. Uh, mm. I mean, I, I I hamstrung myself. Gave like the whole thing about this game is you're playing a serial killer and you have to give yourself goals. And I looked way too deep into that. I gave myself super complicated goals, like per chapter. Meanwhile, Dave, who's Freddy Krueger, is like, I gotta bust a one-liner, and that was his goal. Meanwhile, <laughs> I'm trying to recreate an actual scene from Pumpkinhead's movie. Yeah, didn't need to. You know how hard that. it is to find a really good Freddy one-liner to use. In context, though, <laughs> well, you had you had like seventy five of them, so it shows homework. dedication. That's what it is, right? <laughs> you did your homework. Uh, I felt like the character creation was definitely a strong point of the system. Uh, the Tempe role play base they really laid a good foundation for the players to work with. From not being super familiar with it, I also like that I didn't need to know. Like I wasn't gonna, like Chris is running a Lord of the Rings game, and I had to have read the Cimmerillion and be super familiar with it. I didn't feel like that was necessary. <laughs> so that that was also a plus too. Combat was it confusing for me to a point. Like it's just different than D and D. D and D is I'm gonna stab you until you die. Everybody's <laughs> special <laughs> abilities, and maybe you're confused on when I can use a bonus action, a reaction, or or, or how your spells work. But, you know, the, we, we had two combats. So if we play this game again, I would play it again. I'm going to have a completely different experience. I think it was, I mean, as far as the Avatar game, it was fun. I got some, I enjoyed the the combat system. It was confusing, but uh, upon reflection later that night, it actually started to get my mind thinking about other things. And I think that's the real, I mean, that's for me this takeaway is like, try out some different games, right? Like this one was a cool uh, thing here. And it's like, so we'll try some of these other one games, but I mean, it's a good palate cleanser for your, what you do. Like we live and breathe in 5e these days for the most part. We do some other, I do some face grip and we all kind of work in some other things, but it's really good palate cleanser to kind of clear out your mind, right? And also it's good ideas. Like I said, later on upon reflection, like once I had a chance to kind of digest everything, I was like, hey, I really kind of, I see some merit in the fatigue system for being able to find a really nice, realistic way to control the length of the combat and kind of give a realistic feel to it. I like the way they kind of sectioned it out. And there's ways that I can apply that to some things. In this case, it was sort of Marvel and superheroes because of the, you know, in D&D, it's, you know, hit points work nicely in Marvel. I mean, it's Superman versus uh, Shazam. Like, you know, in, if I played it by the rules, you're just punching each other for, uh, you know, seven days. Like, we just have an ongoing campaign where you're battling back and forth. <laughs> but with a concept like fatigue and with those things that lets you to do stuff like now you can dodge. But you also, the, the battles are somewhat limited. So, I think long-windedly, I think it's a really good way to, the Avatar game was good. I think this is a really good way to get your mind clear and get good ideas for DMing. Like there's always ways we can enhance 5e. That's what we do a lot, you know, from that angle is we're always homebrewing things. And these are really good ideas in these games that people are kind of taking. Probably a lot of these people came from D&D and just wanted to do something a little different. And it's kind of neat to see what they did. Yeah, I think that uh, I've said it before on these things, and this made a lot of sense, even though there were some 
some clunkier parts and parts where I wasn't sure exactly how things were working. Playing the game for that world, because not all systems are built for the type of world that you want to play in. And Marvel Superheroes, the face rip system, is a perfect example. Could I run a superhero game in 5e or Pathfinder? Yeah. Is it much better to run it in like face rip or the new D616 system? Yeah, probably better for those because it plays into that world. Uh, which it did here. We talked about like the balance and balance moves and living up to your principles and and this type of thing. And that's so part of that world that they really baked it into the system. For me, I think that that is can be a little problematic if your players don't really know the world because not that they can't enjoy it, not that like Tony said, you don't have to know the Silmarillion, but to know what are the types of things I might do as a bender or that type of thing, or what are the types of questions I might ask are going to be informed by the pro the, the property that it's being built on, you know? So, but that's a, uh, Chris, you brought up the point of this type of like the operating system in other games. So something like this powered by the apocalypse, how does it play in other systems and does it become more intuitive in certain things because you just understand it more? It's more like, like call of Cthulhu where you kind of get that world, so I can just kind of plug in and, okay, so I roll this. Well, I want to do this, and you tell me what I need to roll. But, yeah, overall, I think this was really great. I, I would recommend the Legends uh, RPG. I would say, again, the starter set is beautiful. I mean, their packaging, like the level of quality of the product is top-notch. I would have liked to see a little more the way – like Watsi is coming out with the starter sets or Pathfinder with the beginner box where it's like, hey, maybe you're completely brand new to this. Here's a lot of great tips beyond just let the players follow the fiction. Like, that's great. And sandboxes are fun. But if you don't know how to run that, that's really tough, man. That can be really, really tough. So they came. Like I said, this was a beautiful, uh, a beautiful product that they had. They had even gave you. Your own two little six-sided dice with a special bending mark on for the sixth side. It was awesome. They were blue. It was fun. Nobody had to bring dice. But if you need to bring dice to any of these new systems that you're playing, you should totally check out our affiliate link at fanrolldice.com slash ref slash 2871. Uh, you get 10% off your whole order from that. And they might even have Avatar base dices i don't know i would just go and check out the website at fanrolldice.com slash ref slash 2871 operators are standing by uh, they're really not i mean it's just a website so it's a computer ai will rule us forever thanks again guys this has been great this was not a listener question we take listener questions though as you all know please send them in uh, you can check us out at threewisedms.com and put it in the what's your problem field. You can send us an email at threewisedms at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're active on all those sites all the time. And as we do each week, we are going to let our dear old erstwhile leader take us out.
Thank you again for listening. We can't wait to see you on the next episode of Three Wise DMs. If you want to talk to us before then, as I said earlier, you can email us at threewisedms at gmail.com. You can talk to us through the What's Your Problem field on our website. Also, leave a comment on our articles. We'd love to hear what you think of them. And you can talk to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review in your podcast platform of choice. Share it with your friends. Uh, tell them what you think you like about it. And, yeah, just do whatever you can to, 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 to help spread the word. We've been growing by leaps and bounds. That's because of you, and we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time on Three Wise DMs.